Amen. Okay, so Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, sorry, chapter 28, and a pretty long, long chapter of the Bible, but um, what a powerful chapter of the Bible as well. And um, if you notice there, there was uh, around 13 verses of blessings at the beginning of it, then followed by over 50 verses of cursings. Um, and we're just going to read again the whole, no, joking, we're just going to read again <laughs> the, uh, the last Last few verses, several verses of the chapter, starting from verse 58, where it says, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. And you shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. It shall come to pass it as the Lord rejoice over you to do you good and to multiply you. So the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught and you shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind, and thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see, and the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. And the title of my sermon today is Fear the Lord Thy God. Fear the Lord Thy God. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, um, I thank you that, that you make it so clear how we need to live, how we need to respond in life to your word. And I pray that everyone here will just have open hearts and open ears and want to hear what the Word of God says to them today and act upon it as well. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. Um, because we live in a world, don't we, where God is mocked. We live in a world where there is so much mocking of God, so much scorning, just open blasphemy everywhere, where people just, just treat him like he's some sort of joke, where they treat the Bible like it's some sort of joke, where they treat Christians like they're some sort of joke. And ultimately, they're treating God like he's some sort of joke, aren't they? And we see it everywhere. He's a butt of jokes. He gets mocked in stand-up comedy routines all over the movies, all over the shows. It's just one big mockery, isn't it? And, and then we have so-called Christianity, where all that's focused on, it seems, is the loving side of God with most of these churches. And, and don't get me wrong, we have a loving God, don't we? We do have a loving God, but, but is that the only thing that he has? Is that love for all? God, God, look, God is a fearsome God as well. But that is focused on most of these churches. It's love, love, and love. And look, we would like to preach on love. You listen to, you know, the Gospel of John we've been going through in the evenings. And there's, you know, we'll be focusing a lot on that love of God and what he did for us. But also there's another side to God as well, isn't there? And there's, there's a side to God that we need to fear. We need to, be, we need to be worried about. We need to take heed to, don't we? We need to take heed that, that God is a fearsome God. He is a terrifying God. Yeah. Now Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, 424 says, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Amen. Let's not forget the power, the might of our God. He's a consuming fire. 
And there's nothing wrong with some healthy jealousy either, is there? Because the jealousy seems to be this kind of, this bad, you know, people think it's a sin, don't they? Yeah. they people think, oh, jealousy is a sin. Well, because they get it confused with envy. They get it confused yeah, yeah, with covetousness yeah. and envy. But, but despite what the commies would have you believe, jealousy isn't a bad thing. We should be jealous of our own possessions, shouldn't we? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a husband being jealous over his wife and vice versa. And there's nothing wrong with God being jealous over those that he owns, he possesses, his yeah. people. Um, being jealous of your possessions is not a bad thing, is it? No, no. I don't know if you ever noticed with kids, you, you get these, you know, the poor kid gets a brand new toy. You know, they turn up somewhere with other kids and suddenly their parents are going to him, now share your toy. Come on, let, you know, let little snotty Joey, who's like <laughs> got snot all over him, his hands, he's, you know, let him play with your toy. And his kids are just like, what on earth, you know? And I don't blame that little kid. And I don't try to encourage that either. You know, they've got something new, it says, it says, yeah? yeah. And we don't have to then share it out with all and sundry and try and pretend we're some sort of communist nation. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, what's yours is yours, isn't it? But, but there is that, isn't there? There's this sort of like we're some sort of one big, big collective, you know, that we should just share everything, that, you know, that we shouldn't be jealous of anything, you know, and, and people will mock you for it as well. I mean, right now, it seems that we can't even be jealous of our God-given immune system, can we? Can't be jealous of our God-given immune system because for the greater good, we have to have it ruined by some sort of wicked vaccine. But, but no, we should be jealous of our health. We should be jealous of ourselves. We should be jealous of our children. We should be jealous of our families. And God is jealous of us, isn't he? Yeah, right. God is jealous of his people. He is, he is jealous when we put people, when we put false gods, when we put sins, when we put devils basically before him, isn't he? Yeah. God is jealous of that. But that. And that godly jealousy, though, is for his people, isn't it? It's for his people. No, not some Eastern European nomads... Yeah, that, that claim to be God's people that follow the blasphemous Babylonian Talmud. That's not what he's talking about, is he? When he's jealous for his people, I'm talking about God's people saved believers. Amen. Okay, believers. But as much as we believers should fear God and we should fear God, shouldn't we? It's the unbelievers, the unbelievers, especially the unsaved that have the most to fear, don't they? Okay, they have the most to fear. And the title of my sermon today is Fear the Lord Thy God. And point number one is if you're unsaved. If you're unsaved, you ought to, you have to, you, you, you must fear the Lord God. In a country where, like I said, God is either a joke or an effeminate hippie. That's kind of the, the options there, isn't it? Where the so-called churches think that hell is a swear word, don't they? Where, where the hundreds of false Bible versions remove the word hell multiple times out of the Bible and swap it with silly things like Hades and anything else to weaken it out of their perverted versions of the Bible and their perversions. It's more important than ever, I think, to preach the fear of the Lord, isn't it? Okay, we're told to preach the whole counsel of God. And, and look, the fear of the Lord comes up time and time again. When I wrote this sermon, just, just there are verse after verse I just had to discard just for sake of time. And just so it wasn't literally just, just turning from verse to verse. Because the Bible is full of commands to fear God. Okay, to fear God. Now, I believe that whether behind the pulpit or on the front doorstep, we should be preaching the fear of the Lord, shouldn't we? We should be preaching the fear of God. You don't have to turn a bit. Jude verses 22 to 23 says, And if some have compassion, make a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That fire is a very hot, very real eternal fires of hell. Okay, that's that fire. And turn to Revelation chapter 19. Well, I read Luke verses 
uh, sorry, Luke chapter 12, verses 4 to 5, which says, you turn to Revelation 19. Luke 12, 4 to 5 says, And I sound to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed have power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Forget the axe murderer. Okay, we, you know, we love to, well, maybe we don't love to, but, but it seems that our society, the television, the rest just loves to go on about all these different types of murderers, axe murderers, the bogeyman, the bogeyman terrorist. We hear a lot about the, the so-called terrorists who seem to respect COVID because they went pretty quiet for a long time, didn't they? But we've got, you know, they're all at home with masks on. But, um, but the, the terrorist bogeyman that we hear a lot of, the, the latest variant, the latest variant, you know, we're constantly told to fear that, aren't we? But maybe the news fear-mongering, because it is fear-mongering, isn't it? The news yeah, yeah. is just full of fear-mongering. Maybe it should focus on verses like these, shouldn't it? I mean, that would, that, that's what it should focus on. But then that's a fear that you could do something about, isn't it? Okay, these verses that we're seeing now, that's a fear that you can do something about. We were given a way that we could do something about that. But the rest of it is just to keep you in this grip of fear, isn't it? Fear, fear, fear for things that we as Christians, should be, we're told not to fear, aren't we? Only one person we should fear. But as the unsaved here, there's something that they have to fear. Now, Revelation 19 and from verse 19 is talking about the battle of Armageddon at the end of God's wrath. Okay, and it, this is some time in a not too distant future, isn't it, by, by, by the looks of things. And from verse 19, Revelation 19, 19, it says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So the beast and false prophet, two men, okay, these are two men, are cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, yeah? Okay, everyone see that there? They're cast alive into, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with, with, with brimstone. Okay, then there's a thousand year period known, known as, as the millennial reign of Christ, yeah? So we have the millennial reign of Christ after that. There's, there's a thousand years. Now look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 7. Revelation 27. And when the thousand years were expired, so this is after the millennial reign, after the thousand years, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Okay, so a thousand years later, verse 8, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the, count, uh, sorry, compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. I love how quick that is. Yeah. How simple and matter of fact that is, isn't it? You, you know, you've got the final battle, the, the number of them. It's saying like the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Led by Satan, the enemy of our souls. You're thinking, here it is, like the climax, the big battle. And then, it, you know, they've surrounded the good guys, haven't they? They've surrounded them. And then it's just, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Because <laughs> that's how simple, that's how quick, that's how easy it is for God, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, it's a bad, there's, there's no competition, is there? There's no competition. Our God has no rival, okay? Because there are Christians that think that dev the devil's some sort of rival for God. He's not. Is it? He has no rival. He allows Satan to present an option, doesn't he? Yeah. He allows him to present an option to collect the trash. That's what he does, doesn't he? 
But there's no battle. Now look at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Where the beast and false prophet are a thousand years later. A thousand years later, two men are there a thousand years later, aren't they? So they've been burning in fire and brimstone for how long? Okay, but that's, you know, that, that's child's play compared with how long they'll be burning for. How long are they going to burn for? Forever and ever and ever and ever. That's a thousand years of torment and an eternity to come, yeah? Okay, and the Bible makes that clear, doesn't it? It's not some fun, sinful biker bar, is it? Okay, and I say this to people when I'm preaching the gospel on the door because people have this view, don't they? Again, something propagated by our media that hell is some sort of biker bar hangout where you're just going to be reunited and living in sin. You know, and maybe it might be a little bit warm down there or there might be a few undesirables, but hey, you know, as long as my mates are down there, I'll be all right. But that's not hell, is it? That's not hell. They're in torments. It's not somewhere where you have a reunion with your old drinking buddies, is it? The, the only bat coming out of hell is a char-grilled one, isn't it? Okay, there's not bats flying around and, you know, and people just go, no, no. Hell is, is a place of torments, of burning in fire and brimstone. And you don't have to read Luke 16 to see how, how horrendous it sounds, doesn't it? Now, is it just for supervillains? Is it just for supervillains like the beast and false prophet, the devil? Well, jump forward to verse 15. So Revelation 20:15 says, And whosoever, we looked at whosoever last week, didn't we? And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever, like the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's two options, aren't there? Two options there. And whosoever basically did not believe on Jesus Christ was cast into the lake of fire. God suffered there so, so we don't have to, didn't he? God suffered there so we don't have to. Jesus Christ suffered in hell so we don't have to. But turn to John chapter 3. Because hell is it's not separation from God, is it? It's not separation from God. It's not some sort of spiritual limbo where you're just going to be hanging around for a while, you know, some sort of purgatory, and you might come back because you can't pass from there to, to heaven, can you? Luke 16 makes that clear. It's eternal torment. Revelation 14.10, talking about those who take the mark, says, And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. I've heard, anyone heard these sort of new age evangelical types trying to say it's just separation from God? Yeah. Heard this rubbish before, yeah, hell's just separate, you know. And I remember this guy going to me and just think, you know, how bad that would be. <laughs> separation from God. Yeah, no, that, that, I'm sure, yeah, I wouldn't like to be separated from God. But I tell you what, burning in fire and brimstone for eternity is a lot worse yeah. than separating from God. Right. Okay, and they weaken it and they weaken the doctrine of hell. But no, he says here, in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. Okay, so it, is, it isn't separation from God. You're burning in front of God. Forever and ever. God is angry with the wicked every day, isn't he? God is angry with the wicked every day. John 3, 36, in John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on him. Okay, look, God wants everyone. Yeah, he's long-suffering, isn't he? He wants everyone to be saved, but... Sadly, the, the majority don't, and he's still angry with sin. The wrath of God 
Everyone has a choice, don't they? Believe on the Son. Trust Jesus as your Saviour. Everyone has that choice. Whosoever or don't, and the wrath of God abides on you. Okay? Wrath, anger, fury. Okay, and that, that's a scary thought, isn't it? That's a scary thought. When you get away from the world's so-called version of God and you look at what the Bible says, I don't want the wrath of God on me. Okay, and praise God, I'm not going to have the wrath of God on me. And I hope everyone here, in here can say the same. Because the weakening, the weakening of the doctrine of hell, because it has been weakened, isn't it? Okay, that's a purposeful weakening of the doctrine of hell results in people not seeing the need for a saviour, don't they? Because that, that's what the result is. People don't see the need of a saviour when they don't, understand or accept or even have any idea of the doctrine of hell and at the same time you've got a society where there seems to be less and less repercussions of sin don't there okay at the same time as that weakening of the doctrine of hell you've got a society where sin seems to be getting punished less and less and less doesn't it and that starts from early turn to proverbs chapter 23 turn to proverbs 23 i was talking about this the other day with someone it starts from young really young proverbs 23 and verse 13 says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. So, just quickly on that anyway, the Bible's clear, isn't it? The Bible's clear about how to punish children. Okay, it's talking about beating him with the rod, yeah? He's not going to die from beating him with the rod. He shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. If my child sits on a step when they're naughty, okay, if that's about as far as the punishment goes, or I just avoid punishment, give them an iPad, packet of sweets to shut them up, count to whatever number eventually they stop, you know, keep counting. I'm going to count. Get to 5, 10, 15, just keep counting. You know, if I, if I just count and I get them sitting on steps, how are they going to accept that there are eternal repercussions for sin if there's never any repercussions for their own sin. How are they going to accept that? How are they going to even believe that there's such thing as punishment from God when they never see any repercussions? Because we have whole generations growing up, don't we? Whole generations growing up where their parents don't discipline. The schools don't discipline, do they? I mean, the schools took out the cane here. When was that? Probably... I think just before I started schooling, they took out the cane. So, I mean, that's been for quite a long time now, 30, 40 years now without the cane. Uh, and the schools don't. The police don't. I mean, the schools, if you... I mean, they, they have like these appeal panels now with these kids who've done like the most vile things. And then they go and appeal and they get let back into the school. I mean, it's really hard to get to kick them out of schools. Yeah. And, and you have... And then you have, like I said, you get to the police and it's like they could barely do anything. They, they barely do anything for, for most crime. You know, I mean, probably it will get to the point we're not having a vaccine. That'll be a crime, won't it? But, but the rest of it, the rest of it, it, it seems it's a slap on the wrist, isn't it, most of the time? Now, who's really fearing? Do people really fear? Do criminals really fear the punishment in this country? There's no death penalty, is there? There's no real punishment. The courts, what do they even do? I mean, it seems apparently their hands are tied half the time. I mean, even your employer can't sack you very easily, it seems now, doesn't it? That's why they want you on these zero-hour contracts and stuff. Because once you're on a proper contract, it's really hard to sack people. It's tribunals and everything else. and yeah. So it's got to this point where there just seems to be hardly any repercussions. So how are, meant, how are people meant to accept that, that the God that they only hear about is love, 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 is actually going to punish them for every sin they've ever done, every wicked thought they've ever had? 
They don't believe it, do they? They don't believe it. And, and he's going to cast them into a lake of fire and brimstone for eternity. How are they going to accept that? They don't want to accept they, they and, and, you know, and that verse that we just went to, I think you're still there. Withhold not correction from the troll, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod, shalt deliver his soul from, a, from hell. Remember, marry that up with chasing your child betimes early. Because people look at this and think, well, what, is this like, you know, to keep them, you know, you, you get the work salvationists will look at this and go, what, is that to, you know, keep them safe? No, it's talking about, look, a child should be chasing betimes, yeah? A child should be chasing early in life and they should know that, and, and that they should know that there's repercussions for sin. Then when they preach the gospel, they're going to understand that they don't want God's repercussions for sin, yeah? And, and you know, we might go, well, it's easy. It's just, you know, the word of God, you know, five, six years old. Look, you know, your child has to believe in their heart. Yeah? yeah, not just tick a list, not just say what their parents want them to say. That child has to believe in their heart and they need to understand that there are repercussions for sin, don't they, to get saved. Okay, now, because they need to know what they're being saved from. They need to understand yeah. that it's yeah. the saviour, don't they? Um, okay, which is why Paul tells the Philippians, and you don't have to turn in Philippians 2.12, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. You need to make sure you're saved and... and Look, that's not by what. Am I being a good person or am I? No, no. Do you really believe? Do you really believe in your heart? Do you believe? Because if you're unsure if you're saved, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and, and you think that you've got to carry on being good, you think that you've got to at least, you had to at least stop something. There's some sin that you're not allowed to do. Yeah, there's something that you have to do to, to stay saved. There's some sort of, you know, you, well, as long as I don't do this, as I, you ain't saved. Yeah. Okay, you're not saved. Yeah. You have to trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Okay, and, and if you think, well, I, I, I turned away from certain sins, so that's how I got, you ain't saved. Okay, and the Bible's clear about that, isn't it? If you, if you think any of that, if you think any of that, if you're in here and you think any of that, come see myself or, or you know, most people in this room pretty much after, after the service, and look, we'd happily explain to you, you know, and show you from the Bible how it's clear. It's faith alone in Christ alone. Okay? Okay, it's not of yourselves. It's not of works. Okay? Now, the title of my sermon is Fear the Lord Thy God. And number one is if you're unsaved. But number two is, guess what? Anyone? Man, well, it's, I don't think I've got the crowd here. Okay? <laughs> Everyone's drifting off. If you're saved, yeah? If you're saved. Okay, oh, really? Okay, that, right now I know this needs preaching then. Okay, this really needs preaching. Number two, if you're saved. Because if you're saved here, obviously you never have to fear hell. Okay, that's clear as day. But we started this sermon in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to be going back there. Where God was, was listing physical punishments on earth for his people. Yeah? Physical punishments on earth for his people. So go back to Deuteronomy 28. Who are his people now? We are. We are. We are. We are. 1 Peter 2, 9-10. You don't have to turn there. You turn to Deuteronomy 28. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9-10. Talking to believers says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him, who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, Amen. which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's us. Ladies and gentlemen, that is us. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. We are the people of God. Okay, the Bible's clear about that. Yes, we're not a physical nation, but we are a spiritual nation, aren't we? 
Okay, we're a spiritual nation. And I believe that we could take so many principles of chastisement from this passage of Scripture, Deuteronomy 28. So in Deuteronomy chapter 28, have a look at verse 1. Don't worry, I'm not going to do this through every verse, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, we might have to quit on Canvey Island and probably most of the soul winning. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Okay. From that verse, not knowing that something is sinful isn't an excuse, is it? Is it an excuse? He said, thou shalt hearken diligently. We need diligence, don't we? Okay, we should be finding out exactly what is and isn't sinful. We should be knowing what God wants of us, shouldn't we? We should be hearkening diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments. You know, well, you know, I didn't know alcohol is sinful. You know, because it... You know, it just says wine. Diligence. Diligent, diligently study it. See why the Bible says that there's a type of wine that you shouldn't even look upon. Yeah? How hard is it? Study it. Look at it. And see clearly that there's a kind of wine that is all right and a kind of wine that isn't. What's the difference? It's alcoholic. You know, I, I, oh, well, I, I just watch church from home. Isn't that church? No, diligence. He said assemble, didn't he? said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. He made it clear, didn't he? Okay, the whole New Testament is, is from the perspective, or a lot of those letters are to churches, aren't they? They're to churches. You know, well, I just didn't know he was a false prophet. Diligence. Diligence. The Bible's clear about what is the truth. The Bible's clear that there are many false prophets. We should be diligent, shouldn't we? Should be diligent about all of this. So in, in Deuteronomy 28, and that goes for everything, we should be studying and learning and making sure that we know what God does and doesn't require of us. In Deuteronomy 28, he lists all the blessings, doesn't he? Okay, And, and this is a bit more of a negative sermon today, so we're not going to focus on the blessings. <laughs> so about that. But from verse 15, look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass. And by the way, there's some great blessings there. Okay, and we should be looking for those blessings. But look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all, all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. He, he said, if you won't listen, regard, give heed to this book. Don't try to obey him, then you're getting punished. Okay, that's what he said. You're getting punished, you're getting whooped. All these curses... Now, you might think, oh, well, well, that's just the children of Israel living under the law. That's just the children of Israel living under the law. No, God still chastises us, doesn't he? Does God not chastise us? God still chastises us. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews, Hebrews is talking to New Testament believers. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 6. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Amen. God punishes and whips every believer. Okay? Every believer. Because we're, we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, aren't we? Yeah. God punishes and whips every believer. Why? 
to, to help us behave as we should. Okay, and I think most people here will explain this when they're preaching the gospel. To help us behave as we should. Look at verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And if you're not punishing your kids, the, Bi the, the Bible's saying here, what father are you? Okay, and I would extend that to what mother are you as well. The Bible's clear to chasing your children, isn't it? Okay, and it tells you how to do that as well. And get away from the world's way because we should be obeying all the commandments, shouldn't we? Yeah. He punishes us as a loving father should, doesn't he? Okay? But if you don't fear the punishment, it's useless, isn't it? If you don't fear it, if you, if you get your child, right, that's it. See you later. You, what's the point? It's a waste of time, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, you know, we're not trying to, trying to injure our children. But, but a child should fear a punishment, shouldn't they? Okay? We have to fear the punishment, don't we? If you don't fear the punishment of God, there's a problem. Okay, you've got a problem. And I think you're probably not being real with you. You're not being truthful with yourself about when it is punishment. Verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Okay, you shouldn't enjoy it. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so there he's saying, look. There's, there's a benefit to it, isn't there? Okay, the righteousness which comes after chastisement. And, and that grievous punishment can also make righteous those exercised by watching it as well. When you see a brother or sister in Christ going through some blatant chastisement, puts you off, doesn't it? Yeah. Makes you want to get right, makes you want to live right. When a kid, when a child sees their sibling getting a whooping, have you ever noticed that they're on best behaviour? Yeah. yeah? It's always when, when, the, when one of them's in trouble, the other one's usually best behaved. And they're looking at it and thinking, I don't want to go down that route, you know. I don't want, and, and you know, and there's, there's, there's benefits, aren't there? There's benefits not to those around, to those that see it. Turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, so back a couple of chapters. We're talking about Jesus Christ, it says. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, this is verse 12, Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For by one offering, this is verse 14, jump forward to verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Look at verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So in the context of eternal security, Christ sacrificed paying for all our sins. This, this is where we are and this is, I'm just showing you the context here. There's no more animals being offered, yeah? There's no more offering for sin. It talks about forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is something you've probably heard these, these verses many times. Now look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So basically there's no more bringing an animal to the altar to pay for your sin, is there? Okay, there's no more of that. Yes, you're saved, okay? You're saved. Look, the animal sacrifices didn't affect salvation, did they? Okay, in fact, just earlier on in that chapter, Hebrews 10, 4 says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Okay, so they don't take away sin, okay? As well as being a picture of Christ, they're a form of punishment, aren't they? So the animal sacrifices are a fine system, aren't they? Because instead of, instead of cash, you're turning up with livestock, okay, to pay for, for, for specific sins. Now, and obviously they're a picture of that eternal sacrifice as well. But there's none of that now, is there? Okay, we don't, have a, we don't have a swear box here or the equivalent, a sin box, you know, that you put money in. Okay, that's not how it works. There's none of that. So instead you're looking out for the punishment, aren't you? 
You're looking out for the punishment of God. Verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. That's what we're looking out for. That's what we should be worried about. Verse 28, he that despised Moses, Lord, died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. Okay, I, I believe this passage, this is in the context of willful sin, isn't it? And, and that includes, wilf, uh, by the way, that does include willfully avoiding learning the Bible so that you're not then willfully sinning, yeah? yeah. I mean, oh, well, okay, well, I better, I better not learn it because then, you know, then I don't really know whether I'm willfully sinning or not. No, because that's willful sin as well, okay? Fiery indignation is God's anger, isn't it? Okay, fiery indignation is God's anger. It's not talking about the fire of hell here, okay? This is fiery indignation, is anger. When we know better and we choose to willfully sin, we're treading underfoot Jesus, aren't we? disrespecting his precious blood that's what we're doing abusing that grace through faith so it's here and they've done despite unto the spirit of grace we're abusing it we were just like yeah whatever you know now i can do what i want you know well we shouldn't live like that should we sadly many do but we shouldn't live like that what's the result we're saved we're not going to hell are we we're not going to come into condemnation shall not come into condemnation john 5 24 says no hell but we'll look at verse 30 for we know him that have said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. God shall judge us in this life, won't he? God will judge us in this life. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, let's read that again. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <coughs> Fear the Lord thy God. Yeah, fear him. How does he judge us? Well, let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. And just to point out here, okay, before we go through these, although all of these things can be a result of God's chastisement, it doesn't mean that they are a result of God's chastisement. Okay? So just because all of these things can be and could be in your life, a result of chastisement, it doesn't mean because you experience any of these things that you're 100% getting chastised. Yeah. Okay, just to bear that in mind. And what we don't want to be doing is sitting here looking at each other in the church and going, chastisement? Look, we don't know. We don't know. But you should know. You should know yourself or you should, make, you should be finding out whether it's chastisement. Because there can be other reasons why we go through hard times, can't there? Look at, look at Job, you know, classic example. Look at Job. There can be other reasons we go through hard times in life. And sometimes it's to strengthen us as well, isn't it? Okay, sometimes it's to strengthen us. But you should know when it's chastisement. You should, you sh that should be something you, you look at first, shouldn't you? When you're going through stuff. When you punish your child, they shouldn't go away trying to work out why, should they? I've just got no idea why, why I got a smack bottom then. I just, you know, that, that's, that would be bad chastisement, wouldn't it? Okay, and when it comes to us, we shouldn't be so prideful that we always discount chastisement should we okay, we shouldn't just say oh, i've got nothing to do with that you know oh, wow on earth would i be getting chastised because god god promises to chastise every son whom he receiveth doesn't he you, you know like these kids that come away going i did nothing wrong i did nothing wrong i just you know just got a smack bottom anyway you know well are they really learning from that and if your kid does that and if your kid comes away going still don't think i did anything wrong 
Do you, do you, do you just leave it at that? No, usually they get more chastised. <laughs> they need to learn and they need to accept that they've done something wrong. God wants you to know and he wants you to get right with God, doesn't he? So if you just discount it every time and you just disqualify it, no chance, no such thing, no way. You know, God's not going to chest up. You're just going to keep going through it. You're just going to keep, and you're just going to keep going, why? I just don't know why. Well, maybe you're being chastised. Maybe you're being chastised. Now, have a look at verse 16. God wants you to know and he wants you to get right. Verse 16. Cursed or cursed shalt thou be in the city and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket in thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. So our jobs and finances can be hit, can't they? Yeah. yeah. yeah? There's a principle there. Our jobs and finances can be hit during chastisement. Mm -hmm. Maybe when work is just going wrong, savings are just disappearing. Okay, you just don't even know where it's all going. Where's that money going? Why is just, you know, why is just work going wrong? That could be chastisement, couldn't it? Yeah. Okay, based on this principle. And often it, that can be directly, directly due to covetousness as well, can't it? So if you've got some block of savings, you're just focusing on it, constantly thinking about it, constantly kind of checking on it, you know, a lot of the time that's going to go, okay? Because you're, you're going to get directly chastised for that in the most obvious way. Okay, verse 18. He said, cursed or cursed shall be the fruit of thy body. I don't know, that looks to me like problems with our children as well. Yeah, problems with our kids can be a chastisement. That's how I see that. Again, doesn't mean it automatically is, but it's something we, we have to, we should as Christians look at, shouldn't we? Think, am I being chastised? Now, if you're sitting there going, well, how do I know if I'm being chastised? Are you, are you hearkening to his voice? To all his commandments. Are you trying to observe all his commandments? Are you right with God? Are you sitting there going, whatever you say, God. Whatever you say I want to do. Whatever you tell me. Whatever you preach to me. Whatever the word of God says to me, I want to get right. Is that, is that your heart? Because if it's not, there's a chance you're going to be getting chastised, aren't you? Yeah. Okay? It's your heart. Your heart has to be right. Yeah, we're going to get things wrong. We're going to see that in a minute. But you have to be sitting there wanting to serve God. Is everyone sitting here thinking that? Or are they thinking, uh, picking and choosing which bits they decide they can do? V verse 20. Jump forward to verse 20. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. Okay, that's problems with everything, isn't it? stress, just everything going wrong. Do you ever have those days like that where just everything goes wrong? Yeah. Everyone's like, I don't want to admit it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I've had days like that, you know, where just everything goes wrong. Days on a job where just everything goes wrong. You just, you're just thinking how much more could go wrong. Mums will have this at home where just everything's going wrong. Kids will have this in their day where everything's going wrong. Well, that could be chastisement, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah? Shall send upon thee cursing, vexation. All that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly. So that can continue. You don't get right. That could just keep continuing, continuing, couldn't it? Until you end up going mad, don't you? Because just life is so stressful. You're just so angry all the time. So just... But are you looking at chastisement? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Now, you, you might say, well, I'm going to church. I'm soul winning. Read my Bible. I'm praying. Okay, yeah, they're the main tick box, aren't they? They're the main tick boxes. But what about the rest of it? He said all thy commandments, didn't he? Amen. 
Yeah? You're like, well, I'm doing those, so if I choose to not do that bit, oh, that bit's a bit uncomfortable, I don't really want to do that bit, you might be getting chastised. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation, with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Sickness, illness. And again, we're not sitting here, you know, if you're watching from home and you're unwell right now, we're not just going, chastisement, what <laughs> sin have you got in your life? But you should be looking at that. Yeah. yeah. Every one of us, when we're ill, we should be wondering, is that chastisement? Every person, when they're sick, he said, the Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, with a fever and with an inflammation. This is, a, this is one of his punishments. So we should, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we look at that and wonder and make sure we're right? Because if we're constantly yeah. doing that, we'll be getting right, won't we? And even if it isn't, at least you're making sure, aren't you? Yeah. Violence even, with the sword. You know, there are people that, that end up in violent situations, confrontations, so they're Christians that end up with that. Yeah. Has that come upon them because of chastisement, maybe? Because, there's, again, I see a principle here. Verse 27, the Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou canst not be healed. Oh, look at it, like chronic illnesses here. Chronic illnesses and, and all sorts of infections and problems you can't get rid of. Again, is that a chastisement of God? Verse 28, the Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. You feel like you're going mad. Confused. May, maybe spiritual blindness, you could say here as well. You're just not getting it anymore. You find, again, if we're out of the Lord's will, we need to be, look, again, there can be other reasons for these things, but we should be going, that should be, we should be ticking off first. Are we right with God? Are we doing what God wants? Are there things that we know deep down we're getting wrong? Is there preaching we're hearing? Because, because the Holy Spirit wants you to know, doesn't he? Like I said, like, like, like when I punish my child, I will say to them why they're getting punished, won't I? And explain to them why they're being punished. God wants you to know. So if you're just switch off to that bit of the preaching, switch off to that bit of my Bible reading, switch off to that bit of, you know, bit of, bit of advice from my brother or sister in Christ, just switch off to it, then, then you, you're going wrong. You're going to get chastised more, aren't you? Amen. Okay, until, until he gets your attention. So again, madness, blindness, astonishment of heart. Verse 30, thou shalt, uh, jump forward to verse 30, thou shalt betroth the wife and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build an house and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Okay, on, on that point, that first bit there, God hasn't sent someone to do that, okay? God hates sin, doesn't he? Okay, God hasn't sent someone to do that, but it's the consequences as well. There's inbuilt consequences from turning from his commandments. Yeah, yeah if you're, his commandment is to love your wife, to honour, to cherish her. Okay, if you're not doing that, then maybe you will betroth the wife and another man shall lie with her. Okay, when you're doing things wrong, when you're not living for, for God, when you're not doing what God wants you to do, there are things that happen in life, aren't there? Okay, there are repercussions for sin. Verse 32, thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. It will all go wrong when you don't follow God, won't it? Okay, it will all go wrong. Your kids, by the looks of that, you could say your kids will end up worldly, won't they? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You, just, you just stop following God. Because it's not just one thing either as well, is it? Because when you're willfully just disregarding, it goes downhill and downhill and downhill, doesn't it? It's, yeah. It snowballs. Okay, and then look, look, thy sons thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. That's hard, that's hard isn't it? Yeah. 
Imagine that, you're just looking at your kid, he's just gone off into the world, just reject the things of God. There shall be no might in thine hand. You can't even bring him back because, because you just don't have that power anymore. Verse 41, jump forward to verse 41 now. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. I don't know. I, I know myself. If my, that's going to be hard to enjoy my kids. If they turned away from the things of God and they just went into the world and they went into that bondage of sin, that's, that's hard to enjoy them, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine like what polar opposites you end up being. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want that in, for, for my life. And that would be, be a sore punishment, wouldn't it? Yeah. Verse 45. So look at this. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And there shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So when we're ignoring the preaching, ignoring the word of God, when we're picking and choosing the bits we like, we're going to get chastised. It can, and it can get worse than, oh, well, I've got a bit of a punishment. Oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Fear him. Fear him. Because look, it can get to the point where, where your, kids, your kids are out of the word of God. Your kids end up, kids end up with kids that aren't saved. And, it, and suddenly your line is just done, isn't it? Yeah. Your, your family line ends up in hell. Further down the line. Verse 58, if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Okay, that means that people, like the plagues being wonderful, that means that people wonder at them, yeah? Okay, he's not saying that they're going to be, oh, just such fun. He's saying that, like, you're going to wonder at these plagues. Verse 60. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt which thou was afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So unknown illnesses as well. Verse 62. And you shall be left few in number, whereas ye were the, as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. You could just look at a natural result of not obeying, going out and preaching the gospel, couldn't you, with that? Okay, You've, you should be left few in number. You're not going out and soul winning. Last bit, guys. Verse 63. And it shall come to pass, as the Lord rejoice over you to do you good and to multiply you. So the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught and you shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. So... That's fear, anxiety, sadness. Okay, that can all be a result of chastisement, can't it? That can be a result of, ch of chastisement. Verse 66, And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. Life's rough without being God's will, isn't it? Okay, when you're, you feel far from God, when you're being whooped by God, when you're being chastised. Verse 67, in the morning thou shalt say, would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight 
of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spake unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. Okay, maybe we'll just end up completely backslidden, okay? And I don't know if people here have been in that state before where you're completely backslidden. Maybe some people watching online might have, maybe not. But that's not a good place to be, is it? That's not a good place to be. That's a terrible place to be. And, and look, eventually our kids or their kids or their kids won't be getting saved, will they? That's the result eventually, won't it? That's a rough list of curses there, isn't it? Isn't that a rough list of curses? And, you, and, and look, it's all the Lord shall do this. The Lord will do this. The Lord shall do this. We've got to fear God, don't we? And if you're sitting here thinking, well, yeah, but, you know, I just don't really want to. I don't really want to live for God. I don't, well, I'll I'd, I'd do this bit, you know, I'd, I'd tick the box at church or what. You're going to get chastised. And don't be looking up going, I just don't know why I've been praying every day. Well, I pray. Oh, I just don't get why this is happening. I'm praying. Oh, well, well, I'm reading my Bible, so why is it happening? But it's more than that, isn't it? Observe to do all his commandments. We're saved. God has expectations of us. And otherwise, he's going to whip you to get that. And eventually, he might just take you home. might just take you home early. But that's going to have repercussions to your family, your friends, and other people as well. Okay? God wants you. God wants you to live for him. And he's going to try and get you to live for him through chastisement, through punishment. Because you might think, well, we're only, him, we're only human. We're only sinful. We're going to fail. Okay? And, and yeah, we are human. Aren't we? we are sinful. There's not one here. There's, there's not one person here that doesn't sin. Okay? Every single one of us is sinful. We do fail. What's the solution? Fear the Lord thy God. Fear God. Fear the Lord thy God. Turn to Psalm 34. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't be a fool. Fear him. Fear him. Don't be a fool. Psalm 34 and verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. This is talking to believers, isn't it? Saints. Okay, that's not talking about some old guy, you know, that, that, that there's a picture of in the Catholic Church. That's talking to believers, saints are believers. The angels protect you when you fear him, is what he's saying here. We get protection, we get spiritual protection when we fear him. There's nothing lacking when we fear him. Why? Why? Why is there nothing lacking? Because when we fear him, you don't have to turn it, Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. When you hate evil, you love good, don't you? Yeah, if you hate evil, if you hate it, if you fear God, you hate evil, you love good. When you fear him, you follow his commandments, don't you? If you really fear him, you're going to follow his commandments. It all comes back to fearing God, doesn't it? If you fear God, you're going to do your utmost to follow his commandments. You're going to fail, but your heart's going to be in the right place. You're going to be trying your best because you fear God. And when you follow his commandments, says the angels protect you. Okay, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. But what if you've messed up? What if you've messed up? So what, okay, so we might be sitting here going, look, look, I've messed up. You know, I know, I know I'm doing, I know I'm getting this wrong. I know I'm doing lots wrong. What if you're currently being chastised? There might be people here 
you know, that are currently in some bad chastisement. There might be some people here that are only in, you know, that are in some not so bad chastisement. There might be people here that aren't in any chastisement. I don't know. But what if you are? What if you know you're being chastised? What if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I know I'm being chastised? What if you're not, hopefully, not shutting your ears and going, oh, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear this? You know, what if you're not burying your head in the sand like the ostrich? Yeah, and just going, don't want to hear this bit, I'll shut off for this bit. What if you're sitting here, hopefully, like God wants you to, with your ears open, he who have ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah, and you're going, okay, yeah, I'm being chastised. Yeah, I know I'm being chastised. Well, turn to 2 Chronicles 6. Okay, 2 Chronicles 6. So this is Solomon's prayer in the newly built temple for God's people, Israel. So they've just built the temple and Solomon's praying for God's people. Remember, we're God's people. What's the prayer? And this is under, obviously, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Chronicles 6 and verse 36 Second Chronicles 6.36 If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not. See that? There is no man which sinneth not. Okay? Again, if you're sitting in here going, well, I'm all right, I don't sin, you've got issues. In fact, you've got more than issues because, you know, then you're deceived and I would say you're not saved if you think you, you don't sin. Okay? For there is no man which sinneth not. And now be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive and turn, a pray, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captives, and pray toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Okay, look at verse 38 again there. Okay, or from verse 37, sorry. It says, if they turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. Is that it? Is it just praying? No. Verse 38. If they return to thee, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul. That's the answer, isn't it? That's the answer. It's not just praying to God. Oh, well, I've done wrong. I prayed to him. Well, I prayed at night. That's all right. You know, back to, back, should be back to, you know, scratched off in the morning. No, t return to thee with all thy heart and with all their soul. That's saying, God, I want to get right. I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do. I, I want to behave how you want me to behave. I'm not going to put excuses on it. Well, I'm just like this. Well, I'm just sinful. No, I, I want to. I'm going to try my best. God, just help me do that. That's how we should be, shouldn't we? Okay, that should be how we react. That should be how we respond to God, to chastisement, to the word of God, to rebuke, to reproof. We should be trying our best to live for him. Then when we do, then when we do, he, you know, it says here, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. You don't have to turn it, but First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We should be confessing our sins, shouldn't we? We should be confessing our sins, but... Along with that, when you compare scripture with scripture, it's not just, just confess your sins, job done, box ticked. Confess your sins and, tr and, and get your heart right and live for God and want to serve him, want to do what he says, want to live by him 
And if you're sitting here and there's things going through your mind, well, I know I do this, I know I do that, or I know this feels like chastisement, get right, get right. Get on your knees, pray to him, ask for forgiveness. Because it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, like, look, you know, if it's not for your own blessings, if it's not for your family, if it's not for, for your own, you know, whatever benefits, if it's not for your own eternal rewards in heaven, at least, at least because you fear God. And when I say at least, it's, it's, it's everywhere in the Bible. It's the start of it all. Yeah. yeah? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, isn't it? Right. It all comes back to the fear of God because then we'll get right. And there are many people, I think there are many Christians in this world who have been weakened by this, this false doctrine in these liberal churches, in these, in these churches which, are, like, let's be honest, in this country most of the time, they ain't even churches in God's eyes. And people are going there and they're just getting this love, love and this kind of rose-tinted view of Christianity and, you know, it's all just, just flowers and everything's fine and, you know, and God just, you know, he understands and, you know, and look, God understands, yeah? God understands, but, but God didn't sin, yeah? He who you know sin, yeah? God, un God actually showed us how we should live and God wants us to try to live like that and to get our hearts right, doesn't he? Okay, and that's what God wants. Turn to Ecclesi Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And look, you know, because I, I believe that there are no Christians that just sit there, then they, they don't really want to, they don't really want to do certain parts. Certain pits are a bit uncomfortable for them. Well, that's just me. Look, don't sit there then and be calling up and going, why, 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 when you won't do, do, do. Yeah? Yeah, do all his commandments. Live for God. Do what he says and then, then you can turn around and say why. Yeah. Yeah, then you can turn around and say why. But without that, don't, don't blame God when things don't go wrong. When he warned you and he told you. In fact, that is a long chapter of the Bible, isn't it? That's a long chapter of the Bible. He didn't just go, oh, by the way, you know, you might have a bit of grief now and again. You know, he, go, he, he just listed so many things of the Bible and then we go, oh, just don't, I just can't work it out. Why this is happening? Well... It all comes back to this, doesn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the conclusion? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. On that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, I thank you that, that, you know, something that we should, we should ideally rejoice. We should, we should have joy. In, in, in chastisement even, knowing that it that yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness and that, that, you know, that your chastisement is for our own good, is to help us to live right, is, is to help us to, to be the people that you want us to be. Please help us to, to recognise when you are chastising us, to not be trying to recognise it in other people, but just to, to focus on ourselves, get ourselves right with you. Um, and to always to always think that first when we're going through hard times, to always make sure that it's not chastisement, that it's not something we have to respond to, um, and make that be the first thing that we look at. And help us to uh, to live right for you. Help us to to start that this afternoon, going out and preach your gospel like you've told us to do, like you've commanded us to do, to preach the gospel unto every creature. Help us to go out and preach the gospel to people, get people saved. Um, and help us to all return back here for the evening service. In Jesus' name I pray all of this. Amen. Amen.